Hello and welcome to Behind the Lashes with me, Joanna Lee. In this series, I'm going to be speaking to lash artists from around the globe. I want to know what makes them tick and also how they're surviving C19. Today, I'm joined again by Dion Thomas of Love and Lashes and fellow Lash Angel. And she thought it would be nice to turn the tables on me. So without further ado, I'll hand over to Dion. Dion, hi. Hello, Joe. Hello. <laughs> I'm a bit nervous. Um, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, obviously you've been, um, you know, you've been interviewing everybody, haven't you? And kind of getting a little bit of an insight into how they're dealing with all of this. And, um, you know, I just thought it would be interesting for all of your listeners to um, to perhaps hear, um, you know, your answers to some of the questions that you've been asking, um, asking other people. So, yes, thank you for um, allowing this to, to happen. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how interesting I'll be, but let's see. <laughs> I think I think you're pretty interesting. So that's yeah, yeah. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> okay, so um, let's go back to Little Joe. Um, if you wouldn't mind telling us all a little bit about you know growing up, what was your life like as a child? Sure. Okay, so I was in a family of four initially with my little sister Alex and my mum and dad but unfortunately mum got um, really bad postnatal depression after my sister and the marriage started to break down and sadly with a lot of toing and froing they did eventually get um, divorced and Mum really did struggle with um, depression on and off. And although we had a very, very loving and sort of, I don't know, she was just the, is the most incredible mum. There were lots of ups and downs and lots of boyfriends and particularly one who was, um, well, actually we found out in time that he had um, schizophrenia and he was violent. And so I grew up with quite a lot of fear. There was a lot of love, but there was a lot of fear. But I felt like I grew up very, very quickly. So at the age of six, I was kind of thrown into this world that maybe, you know, six, seven, eight-year-olds should never really see. And it was it was pretty harrowing, but I don't really remember it in technicolor i think the human brain kind of protects protects you in terms of what it will allow you to remember but it it was pretty tough but it was it was full of love and fun and mum was always baking and she was quite wild and we'd she'd suddenly pick us up and we'd go off to a party and you know all, all hours and she was great fun my dad was always very very steady eddie and he so he was kind of a balance and I'm making my mum sound bad I don't mean to she's just a very fun loving kind of quite spontaneous woman and we we were always doing crazy stuff but mum did suffer with depression on and off there were issues with overdoses and you know she was pretty sad at times and that was hard to see as a child but we're very, very, very close. And I would say that we're 
despite all of that instability, we are quite stable. I would say I'm quite stable. I am terrified of any kind of confrontation now. So if there's ever a kickoff in a bar or whatever, I literally start to feel weak and will literally run for the hills. And I'm not good at confrontation. So I'm always kind of smoothing situations over. I hate people getting getting aggy. I just can't bear it. It's just one of the things I can't cope with anymore. Wow. Okay. Um, so, so you, you haven't made your mum sound, sound bad at all. I think, um, you know, real life, real life happens to all of us, doesn't it? Um, mm. definitely relate to a few things you've said there, but, um, describing your mum, she sounds lovely and she actually, um, I can, I think I can see that you've got quite a few of your mum's traits in terms of, you know, your quirkiness <laughs> and your, you know, your, your happiness and, um, you know, your excitement for things. So, um, yeah, it's lovely to, um, to, to get to a little bit more about, um, about little Joe. Um, how was, was school for you? Obviously life was a little bit up and down. So, um, how, how did, did that affect, you know, life at school or was school like a nice escape for you? School was great. I was very, I kind of came from quite a privileged background, I guess. Mum and dad worked really, really hard. Dad was always in the city. He was a stockbroker at Lloyd's, but he was a, a real grafter. In fact, he blames me for giving up his running career. He used to, he was a sprinter for England and oh, very, no. very, very speedy at the 100 meters. And in fact, he still holds some records at his old school. Um, so he, he was a pretty amazing sprinter. Um, and he just missed, um, not the Olympics, something, I can't remember the name of it now. I've gone a bit blank, but he had to give it up because I was on the way. So he had to shelve his running career and go into the boring old city and pursue that. So he was, a, he worked really, really hard. He made a, a good living and he wanted us to go to private school. Um, Mum always worked as a PA and well, she had lots of jobs. Actually, she had her own catering company. She had her own dressmaking company. She oh, had, wow. Mum was a bit of a butterfly, actually. She seemed to sort of hop around. I'm, I'm not really a butterfly, but my sister has developed those traits. I do tend to see things through, but she, was, she always worked hard. After school, we'd come home and she'd usually be still at the office. So we'd help ourselves to our tea until she got home etc which I suppose is a fairly common scenario for many kids today but school was great we it meant that we went to I went to a girls public day school in Putney Putney High School had really you know nice friends it was a small environment so I feel like I was quite cushioned and I had a lovely a lovely school life I was very happy at school in terms of academically, I was pretty average Joe, really. I was a grafter, though, so I worked really hard. I loved schoolwork. It was, I loved exams. I was really weird. I used to love writing out my revision <laughs> times table, you know, my timetable. That was like a highlight. I was so weird. <laughs> that is a bit weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, before you were a lash artist um I know a little bit about your former career but would you um perhaps like to tell our listeners a little bit about what you what you did before you went into lashes mm -hmm. and even before that what were your ambitions what did you kind of want to to do when you were a little girl 
Okay, well, that's an easy one. I wanted to be a dancer. So I, I, want, I danced a lot. I danced for hours and hours a week. It was my absolute passion. And that is what I wanted to be. But when I, um, I did a, an audition at the Royal Ballet School, and they, they, I didn't go any further because they said I had a slight scoliosis on my spine on my spine. So I had one hip like half an inch higher than the other and they're really strict. So they don't want any sort of skeletal abnormalities. So that was that. So I knew I wasn't going to be a ballet dancer, but I still pursued the dancing and I still thought I was going to be on the stage. And then I sort of transferred my desire to one wanting to be, um, sort of musical theatre and I wanted to go to stage school. So mum and dad very sensibly said, well, you've got to get your O-levels um, and then we can talk about it. So I got my O-levels and, um, and I went to the arts educational. I got a place there on their musical theatre course, but I got there and having been quite sheltered in a girls' public school, um, when I got there, there was a complete lack of discipline. It was like stepping onto the set of fame. I mean, this is a long time. <laughs> this is a long time ago. You know, kids are smoking in the corridors. The headmaster like came in on his Harley um, <clears throat> in full leathers and sort of minced into the into the school. My jazz teacher, Jackie, oh, what was her name? Jackie. Oh God, she was a total bitch. She basically <laughs> stood us all in a row. And bearing in mind, I'm 16 here, sort of a bit green around the gills. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in this jazz class and she, she stood us all in a line and she said, right, you're a virgin, you're a virgin, you're not, you're a virgin, you're not, you're a virgin. And she's basically said, she said, right, girls, to go... This weekend, you need to go and get loosened up. You need to go and have a damn good shack. And I was oh, like, no way, Joe. Seriously. And I was like, oh, ah, oh, this place is not for me. This is, this is, this is not right. And I went into wow. my, I, I know. And I was in my English class too. And the English teacher, because the plan was I'd still do A-levels there alongside my musical theatre. And he just stood there and scratched his nuts and talked about the, that when the printing press was, was um, invented. And I thought, oh, shit, I'm not going to get an A-level here either. So, so, so I literally, I went, I went running home and I said, oh, mum, oh, dear, this, is, this isn't looking good. It's not what I imagined. And bearing in mind, I'd like had this dream of this of how my life was going to go and I got there and it was a total letdown and you know very wisely my stepmother actually said we've got to get her out and fast so we rang my old school and spoke to the headmistress that Mrs Silver she was called we need to get Joanna back in and within two weeks I was back at Putney High School doing my A-levels so that was oh good for that but that was a bit crushing because it was like, oh, this, this thing that I've worked hard oh, for and this dream, the bubble had popped. So I had to quickly get into the new reality of A-levels. And then it was like, okay, so when you go to uni, you can do, there are all sorts of things that you can use drama and dance for. So that was my next goal, really. Um, but actually, I ended up just doing fairly bog standard A-levels and I fell in, I'd fallen in love with a boy called James who broke my heart the bastard oh, <laughs> and I followed him to we've Scotland had, had a James. Yeah, I know I may be oversharing here but um <laughs> it is behind the lashes behind the lashes I'm loving this Joe so, <laughs> I knew you 
But he was going to Edinburgh University and I was completely in love with him. And foolishly, I thought, oh, well, I'm not clever enough to go to Edinburgh University, but maybe I could go to one nearby. And I went to Dundee University to do an English degree. And on the first day, bearing in mind, I'd never been away from home, had a very close relationship with my mum. And I drove him to Edinburgh Uni and in the car park, he finished with me. I then had to drive back to Dundee University on my own, bearing in mind I'd never been away from home, I'd never driven those roads, I'd never been to Scotland, and I had to go and get on with it. And I, went, I had to sit through Freshers Week, and I was, had so much anxiety that I, I could not eat a thing. I stayed inside all week, and I went down to like seven and a quarter stone. And um, I was just like, Oh man. And the one night I did go out to brave a wee drama whiskey in this student union, this this lovely Scottish gentleman student came up to me and he said, Hey, riding you be like fucking a bloody bicycle. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was so skinny. So yeah, that was that. And well, uh, but anyway, I did get through <laughs> university. So, so you continued, you finished your, you finished yep. your degree? I did finish it, got it. And when I was there, actually, um, a researcher from Blind Date at London Weekend Television um, came to our town and said, we're looking for um, participants for Blind Date. And I was like, yeah, by that point, I was back on my game. And I was like, yeah, I went for it. Anyway, I got on the show. And that was wow. where my interest in telly came. I was a picker. And I got a lot of press because I'd, um, it had come out that I had a, a security blanket called a Nunu. So it was splashed all over the press that I was the Nunu girl. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and Scylla Black took a total shine to me. And I ended up on two of her specials, Singing and Dancing. And yeah, and then and that that was when I decided I wanted to be in telly. So when I left uni, well, basically every holiday at university, I went marching into London Weekend Television, banged on the door of the executive producer Kevin Roast, and said, um, "I really want to work here. I really want to be here. What what can I do? I'll make the tea. I work for nothing." And eventually, after a lot of nagging from me, they created a role for me as a junior researcher on a live um, London TV show called Dial Midnight. And that's how I got into telly. Wow. Yeah. So that I was in production. Like the stories that you hear on, on TV, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was pretty. You couldn't do that now, though, because there is no way of actually accessing them you have to everything you have to apply for is all online so it kind of takes that unless you've got connections um it is a lot harder and actually television now probably isn't quite as fun because you know they it's kind of all the quality of it you know in the old days I would used to go out with a film crew we'd have sound we'd have lighting we'd have camera we'd have makeup now well, as I, as I got to the end of my television career, you'd be going out with the camera. You would be sound. You would be lighting. You would be camera. You know, forget makeup. I mean, you know, it was just, you know, they wanted more and more for less and less. And you'd have to be, you'd have to be all, all of the skills. Um, you, you'd be lucky if you got a proper film crew. Um, 
But that's just my experience. But I always wanted to be a presenter and I managed to worm my way in that way to get in front of the camera. So I got a a job as a reporter on um, a daytime show called The Really Useful Show. Lovely Ruth Langsford, Eamon's wife, was the presenter and another guy I can't remember the name of. Um, But I was a reporter on that. Oh, I'd moved to Birmingham to do that. I'd got married for the first time. Um, And that's where I got my weather job. So that was... Okay. Yeah. So I was seven days a week working for HTV West, but it was recorded in Birmingham. And I did the weather on Carlton and Channel 5. Yeah. So I I was the West Country weather girl five days a week, three times a day on HTV. I love I, I have YouTubed your um, your weather girl videos I do I do love watching your um, your weather girl videos um, can you just tell everyone what your what your weather girl nickname was please oh yes Dion <laughs> I became known as the weather in leather in fact it wasn't leather most of it was pleather most of it was sweaty old plasticky pleather <laughs> <laughs> I did I did like the look and um and I just became nicknamed as that I think actually yeah I think the press probably called me that but yeah so that did get quite a lot of attention and there are quite a lot of pervy old trolls on my uh on my videos that are on uh, online now that is that is hilarious that is hilarious so from wanting to be a dancer to ending up being a weather girl how did you then get into lashes how did that become Okay, so I had my, um, well, my marriage in Birmingham broke up. I had got headhunted by Sky News um, by Francis Wilson and became a weather presenter in um, in London um, for Sky. And um, I got with my now husband and we had um, our first baby, Jemima. And I mm-hmm. was still working at Sky then. I was also doing voiceovers for Bloomberg. Um, which I did right through my pregnancies. And when Jemima was a baby, I used to record the voiceovers with her while she was um, breastfeeding. And I'd just have to sort of edit out the little (laughs) sounds. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's what, so that's what I was, so that's what I did when Jemima was a baby. And I was still working at Sky when I was pregnant with Daisy, but the sort of, the switch in my head to lashes, mum very sweetly bought me a half set of classic lashes before we went on holiday um, to Turkey one year. And it was literally like a light bulb going on because I was like, I feel like shit, but I look really quite good. And I was like, you know, (laughs) photo ready for all of the, you know, in and out of the swimming pool and I just really liked the way it made me feel. Obviously, I was up in the night with Daisy still, so I was still sleep deprived, but it was amazing. And I was lying on my sunbed and I thought, oh, I wonder if I, you know, the weather thing was wearing a bit thin because I was having to get up at 3 a.m. and do these breakfast show shifts and coming back and being mum, whereas in the early days I could come back and have a snooze and get up. But, you know, kids don't understand that. So I was I was tired and I dreaded those shifts by by that point. And I thought, I wonder if I could retrain in this. And at the same point, I said to my sister, do you know, you could, you're really artistic. She was a graphic designer. I said, you should train in permanent makeup and and I should train in eyelashes. And and that's exactly what we did. And I went to the eyelash emporium and I trained, I trained in lashes 
Oh my gosh, the days of loose pubic lashes. And um, I I don't know about you, but when I'm working on the mannequin head that day, I literally felt like I just wanted to stab the bloody thing with the tweezers because it was, it was like, it was a stupid thing to do really. That, that fine work. I was like, I can't do this. Anyway, I, I could do it. I did my case studies and gradually as my client base started to grow, because I thought it was just going to be more like a paid hobby type of thing, but I was able to say to Sky that that's it. And, um, and was brave enough to go down the lash route. I mean, Simon obviously had a good job, so I wasn't having to pay the mortgage. So I was lucky to be able to take the risk, but that's what I did. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and you, you've been um, loving the lash life ever since really, haven't you? Well, you know me, Dion, I always throw myself into everything that I do and I just love it. I love, I mean, I'm a real girl's girl. So it's the ideal industry for me. I also love listening to people's problems. So from a a client lash artist um, perspective, it's perfect Mm -hmm. for me. I'm quite nosy and I I love getting the juice Um, and I love feeling like I've helped someone and they literally do sometimes leave going, I came in here feeling crap, but I'm leaving feeling really great. A, they look fabulous, but B, they just feel lighter getting stuff off their chest. I mean, I don't know about you, but don't you feel like you're a therapist at times? A thousand percent. And my clients say that to me all of the time, but having you as a, um, as a friend, I, I can definitely see how your clients must really love that about you because you definitely do have that really kind of nurturing nature about you and that really supportive nature about you. So, um, yeah, I, I'd love to actually be a fly on the wall in your little lash studio when it's just you and your, <laughs> you maybe, and your clients. I can imagine <laughs> the conversations. Well, I think maybe it might go back to my researching days because as a researcher, you have to, because that was my first job in telly, you have to basically be a detective kind of you have to suck information out of people by asking the right questions so and I think I've continued to do this I mean it's probably a natural a natural thing being partly nosy um so yes I think that's just continued it's a it's a familiar theme that runs right through everything that I've done so it's that nosy nature and and as you say I think I am a bit of a nurturer I do like to fix stuff for people and to make them feel better yeah, you do. You do. So uh, I'm also quite interested. So you, you love the lashing side of it. You love that, you know, that one-to-one contact that you have with your ladies. Um, but obviously you're still, I would like to say you're so much more than that as well. You, you train, you do workshops, you, you know, you're an award-winning lash artist. You've got the Lash Angels um, situation going on as well. So just tell us a little bit more about you know, the, the, the other side of your, of your lash career? Well, I don't know what it is. It just excites me so much. I just want to do more and more. And it's not about making money. It's about creating something. Yeah. Um, the Lash Angels venture that we're in together, I, I, I just love how that has evolved. Obviously, I, I knew that I wanted to work with you on something because I just feel like drawn to you. And I, I just love how we work together. And I love that whole kind of, I don't know, I just come up with stuff as I'm standing in the shower usually. And I think, well, that would be cool. 
And before you, <laughs> before you know it, I've gone hell for leather and I seem to, I always want things done now and I just go you for do. it. I know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how it happens or why. Just something lights up inside and I just have to go for it and I'm just genuinely excited about the whole industry you know me I'm such a conference kind of lash hag if you like I'm I turn up to everything (laughs) (laughs) I remember Julie from lash base saying to me god Joe you you're always at these events I just know that you're always gonna be here I, I think I've got some kind of problem. I've got some kind of addiction. <laughs> no, no, no. I am. Um, I mean, I'm a bit similar because obviously that's kind of where our relationship started, isn't it? Us sort of like you know meeting at these events and stuff. But I, I do love, love, love just seeing how passionate you are about everything to do with the industry. It's a, uh, it's really, really lovely to see. And like you, you know, you did say it's definitely not about the money for you it really is a genuine passion and it's a passion for you know for what you love and for wanting to support others and just you know I love seeing how hungry you are to grow and to learn um so yeah I mean lashes they it's crazy isn't it how um lashes can really become your whole your whole life yeah um I really do feel like um, it, it is kind of a really all-consuming industry and I feel, feel like other people that aren't inside it can kind of struggle to see mm. to, to see how that how, how it ends up like that but um, but yeah it's definitely um, it, it's, it's lovely to see to see how much passion you have for this industry and to see all the things that you do to to support you know your students and newer people and you know your peers and stuff as well so um, thank you I love the teaching absolutely love teaching and that comes back to being a nurturer I just Mm. I mean I don't have much confidence if I'm honest um in my actual lashes I'm 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 my own worst critic and I think maybe that's that's true of all of us yeah I mean thank Mm. God, there was no Instagram. I'm so old that there was no Instagram or Facebook around when I started. Thank God, because the monstrosities that I used to stick on my ladies, I can't believe they actually paid me to stick them on their face. <laughs> They're like stalks. I know, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. I, I was the same. I think we started about the same sort of time, about nine, I started about nine years ago. And I always say to um, people, I've still got some of my clients from back then and I, I feel mm. like they must have just liked me. <laughs> yeah, but I say to my clients, how did you give me money when, and I even show them pictures of those early, la- early lashes and they're like, well, I still think they look great. So that is interesting, isn't it? You know, whatever you do for them, they feel is an improve- improvement. Well, Mind you, in our defense, the tools that we were working with then were pretty hideous. The glues were shit. The tweezers were shit. The lashes were shit. It was all, compared to now, I wish, I so wish that I was 15 years younger or 20 years younger and that I was learning now because I think it it would just be a world apart. When I did my volume lash training, we were working with thicker lashes and two straight pairs of tweezers. I mean, I get how you, obviously you can isolate with a straight pair, but how do you fan with a skinny, straight pair of tweezers I mean 
Wait, you you were taught volume with straight tweezers? Yes. That was wow. how. So Charlie West of Darling Beauty, that's how she was taught when she went to New York to train with one of the originators of Russian volume. So, so yeah, that was weird. Um, but, but soon it evolved. I guess that was right back at the beginning. And it was possible. And my first set wasn't half bad, I have to say. But um, since then, it is, is changed beyond, you know, it all came around to the boot tweezers. And, you know, it just all changed out of all recognition. Uh, let's, let's kind of move forward to, to today. We're, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're coming to the end of our second week of lockdown um, here in the UK. Um, talk me through how you have been been finding it. What have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Obviously, the podcast, which I'd love to sort of go into a little bit more. But um, yeah, how have you been? How have you been finding it? How how have you been adjusting? Oh, Dion, I don't know whether I've got my head in the sand or maybe my head's just in the podcasts. But when I stop and think about it, and I hear you know stories of you know, sad stuff going on. I know you've had some really sad times and sad news. You've already lost people. When that kicks in, I get a massive, like, it's coming now. I can feel it like a big tangle of anxiety right in my diaphragm and my guts. And I am scared. And I've just been speaking to my best friend in Northern Ireland, who's a GP, and she started working in the covid centers and she's she's mentally preparing herself i said come on jilly what is worst case scenario and she said that the only way she's getting through this is preparing herself for worst case scenario and that worst case scenario is being locked down until there is a vaccine now that is 12 to 18 months away so that is that is a bitter pill to swallow but I'm trying not to think about it too much. And to be honest, lockdown has been fun so far for us as a family. We are hanging out and I'm doing these podcasts. And my diary looks like my diary in any normal lash week. It is rammed with stuff. (laughs) Yes. All all podcast-related. But it has been so uplifting and so exciting and I'm speaking to all of these amazing women. And I think it is the women in the industry that is what gives me the fire in my belly because I, oh man, I've just spoken to some such amazing people and heard such amazing stories. And I'm getting such a buzz from speaking to people in India, in Japan. I'm speaking to a lady in Hong Kong in a couple of days. I'm speaking to Trina wow. from Maven later. I've done interviews with my buddies, you know, all of my Lash Squad girls. It's Ah, oh, Dion, it has just kept me so busy that for me, it's been like a, I don't know, it's been really, really fulfilling. So long may that continue. I do slightly concern myself that when I do sit back and reflect, I won't have actually processed any of this that's going on. But I think if I did start to process the actual realities of coronavirus, I don't know how I'd handle it because, ugh it's a parallel universe. I feel like we're in the Truman show or something. It's, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And I can't get, I can't get into all of the conspiracy theories and all of the stuff on Facebook because I start to feel my anxiety rising and, 
Um, at the moment, I'm sleeping fine. I listen to an audio book every night so that I can't have that inner dialogue starting. And if I wake up in the night, I quickly flick my audio book on again so that that inner dialogue doesn't kick in because that's a scary place to go. And I'm trying not to go there, which maybe is escaping, escapism, but it's the way that I'm handling it at the moment. So, so far, lockdown has been great. The kids are really happy. I said to Daisy yesterday, I was taking some um, strip lashes to a client. I was delivering a, like a lash care pack to her with some serum and stuff. And I said to Daisy, do you want to come for a run in the car so that you have feel like you've been out? And she said, nah. And I said, have you not got cabin fever? And she's like, nah, I love it, mummy. I love it. As she snuggles down into the sofa with her crap oh. on the telly. <laughs> Oh bless, oh bless. It it is really lovely just having that time with with your children, isn't it? Mm. Um yeah, I think that's been my favorite thing about all of this. Um but back to just how busy you have been. I mean, it's like, firstly thank you for doing this podcast because I know that it's really really helps me um listening to other women who are my peers and other women who I respect um and just learning a little bit more about how they are coping with this um so I think I think a lot of us lash artists out there have been really grateful for you doing this um and it's obviously great for you as well because you are that person that likes to keep yourself really busy um I'm a little bit worried that you're not using this opportunity to chill out <laughs> <laughs> chill out dude <laughs> When, when are you gonna have some chill time joe do you feel like you need that or are you just loving kind of are you loving i know you like to be busy but i for sure know that when this is all over i don't want to feel like i missed out on the chill that that mm. you know that that was given to us um do, do you worry about that or or not really i'm not sure i know how to chill i i Yes, you you are a hundred percent right, and it's not even the chill that I'm worried about. It's the I have haven't cleaned out my cupboards element. You know, there are so many other jobs that need <laughs> that need doing that bug me. I mean, I have got lashes coming out of every cupboard and drawer in this studio. Yeah. I so want to do some kind of snazzy cataloging and stuff. So, although I'm not what. I don't really want the time to chill. I want the time to do more jobs. So yeah, I don't think I know how to chill. I mean, we sit down in the evening. You know, I love my sherry, my small sherry in the evening. Last night I did actually have five, <laughs> which is probably why I slept till 11 this morning. But that did me really, you know, that was really good for me. We'll sit down, we'll watch a couple of Ozarks or whatever we're watching. So I, I am getting the chill, but I'm not getting the lounging around in my gym jams although I have still got my pajamas on today because I woke up so so late um I I I've got my puzzle out ready to go I've got my puzzle sorter tower ready to go and my puzzle mat ready to go I would like to get on with my puzzle how old do I sound hang on I've just talked about a glass of sherry of an evening and now I'm talking about doing my puzzle (laughs) oh my god not at all not at all not at all I think you've got you've got more um you've got more life than um than a lot of people half half your age you're so active and you're so you're so busy I I really 
I, I, I can't keep up with you. I don't oh, know how you... <laughs> man, Dion, I'm so missing my dance classes. As you know, oh, I do like four dance classes a week. I do tap, I do two jazz funk and um, a, a ballet bar. And I am really missing them. Although my dance teacher has been doing um, ballet bar with me and my ballet bar teacher has been is doing now a zoom ballet bar class so i will have the opportunity to do five ballet bar classes but it's not the same as learning a routine and just having that gay abandon when you prance around the room and get a little bit funky okay. so i'm missing that would you say that's what you're missing the most yeah yeah um well at the moment i'm not missing lashing that much because the podcasts are sort of giving me that ex- that buzz and the fulfillment that I need and that I normally get from lashing or teaching. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I'm missing the dancing a lot, but I'm also missing my, my buddies. Although thank goodness for like the internet and zoom last night, we had all of the girls that I go to Ibiza with every year. We had, um, we had a zoom call with them and their husbands. We all had our drinks on the go and we were all just, chatting we had music on we were looking at somebody said that your um coming out of quarantine song is the song that was number one on your 12th birthday so we were all looking back at that and playing the songs and dancing and singing and you know I actually felt like I'd had a night out so it can be done isolation does not have to be isolation and and I I'm really missing not being able to give my mummy a big squeeze and my sister and my, my nieces and my, my baby niece. I mean, she's only six months old and babies are meant to be squidged, aren't they? So I just, oh, I look at her just through the window and it's, it's not the same. So I'm really missing that. I miss, I'm missing, I'm such a cuddly person and I'm really missing that, um, those cuddles from people and it's all, it's this weird thing when you're, when I'm out, if we go for a bike ride or something and we, we pop round to see our friends from afar, I almost feel like as people step back and move away from you, I feel like there's been a big argument that I've forgotten that nobody has told me about, that we've had this big fallout because nobody's stepping forward to give me a cuddle. And, oh, Joe. Oh, you know, so that is the biggest thing. And I, I do worry for us as a, as a people that we we will forget how to be demonstrative or that we'll not trust to give people a cuddle again that we're going to be so messed up that we're going to be obese agoraphobic alcoholics (laughs) 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 that look like shit it is a real possibility though um do you feel like you're going to be one of those people that you know the moment it's announced you're going to be out there partying back at dance back to back to socializing or do you feel that you will be a little bit cautious and perhaps want to kind of still keep that distance from people because you're not quite sure no never I'll be back I'll be back out there grabbing hold of everybody dancing my butt off I'll be just giving it heaps I'll be loving life I hope that's 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 very cool that's very cool I think I might be the other way you know Mm, I, I hope not. I can't imagine you being the other way. You'll be in your angel wings and your Care Bear tops. You'll be out there. You'll be fine. 
yeah 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 more more than likely but um yeah i know that you are really missing cuddles especially with your with your mummy so um I, i'm very much looking forward to um to, to, to you being able to cuddle your mummy as Aww. you know as, as, as i also really want to cuddle my mummy as well and my dad my little dad oh he's so cute and he's so sad he's really down um, and that breaks my heart because I can see it. He's kind of crushed by it because he's such a creature of, of routine. He loves, he plays his golf every weekend. He does his rounds to all of his grandchildren and his children. He's so committed to his family. He visits us all religiously and he's locked in and, ah, oh, it's just too sad. I feel desperate for the older generation and also the other sector of society that I really feel for are single mums or single parents of little ones, the ones that have got no other adult to bounce off, that have to do their homeschooling. And that must be as lonely as being elderly and locked in because I, you know, even when the kids were little and you were home with them all day, and you weren't on lockdown. Sometimes that, if we're honest, that could be mind numbing. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So having that enforced and not be able to get them out and them not being able to see their grandparents or go into the park and take them to the swings. I just, I thank God that my kids are older, that I'm not on my own or that I'm elderly. You know, my mum's over the road on her own in her house. Yeah. Sad. I'm I'm happy for for your mum and your dad that they are quite close enough that you can sort of um, you know mm. I know you've you, you've sort of been popping in to see her you know in the garden mm. at a safe distance haven't you so mm -hmm. um, yeah thank goodness she's nearby I know yeah. lots of people don't have that no no what what is going to um, become of us Dion we, we, we'll be fine we'll be fine you know I've had my ups and downs as well but I do think I do think that we will be fine and you're right we will just go back to this is going to make us appreciate life and love and cuddles and you know the fact that we have so many amazing people in our lives it's just going to make us appreciate all of those things so much more um mm. If, if if we're out of this by summer, this is going to literally be the craziest. Oh my God. Can you imagine? And can you imagine our Lash Angels event when that pops up? Oh, that's going to go I off. I can <laughs> Everybody, everybody is going to want to just party so hard when this is, um, when this is, when this is all over, um, whenever that may be. I am afraid of the actual virus though, you know, the actual getting it if that's an inevitability, both of my girls have asthma and I, you know, I'm not going to lie. And my mum has lung issues and my dad is missing half of one of his lungs. And I, I, I am afraid of, I know we've got to get it. Half of me thinks, come on girls, let's go out and get it and get it over with. I'm so envious of people that have had it and have come through it. Look at Carly Stanley. She looks like her and her partner have both had it. And although it was harrowing for her, I do think, oh wow, but you've done that. You can actually relax yeah yeah I, I know what you mean it's like chicken pox isn't it you just you just want to get it and get it out of the way mm. um yeah uh, you may have had it and not even know yeah. joe i hope though i really am keen to know i hope those antibody tests come soon yeah um yeah i'm, I'm not so sure i even want to get the test <laughs> what in case you haven't had it and then you'll be like oh god 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. But at yeah. least you know um, where you stand then and you can kind of have a bit of, um, you can be a bit more mentally prepared. I think half of the crappy side of the situation is the fact that it's the fear that is driving us all and it's the fear of the unknown and it's so unsettling and it's like this massive deal whereas if we kind of knew had had a few more facts you know we're maybe quite resourceful as people and can actually you know get our heads together about it I don't know I don't know I um I mean I'm not worried about me getting it there's been times when I thought I might have had it you know you you know you have a few symptoms and stuff you 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 just don't know um overall I, I don't think I have but I just think the I don't know what's worse I don't know what's worse. Um, imagine, you know how I felt when I found out that people I know have had it. Imagine that being on such a huge scale. Mm. Of, um, you know, some people have it and they have no symptoms and, or, or they might have a few mild symptoms and they just carry on. But imagine you being told black and white, you have coronavirus. Imagine what that is going to do for you and for the people that love you oh I don't know I don't I don't have answers I don't know I don't know and that is the problem we don't have answers and that is the part of the frustration and part of what is feeding the fear I think because we don't Mm -hmm. have enough information and we feel like we're almost being kept in the dark by our government or whoever but I don't believe we are I think they're handling it quite well I don't know what you think but I think I think we played that for another interview. <laughs> okay, <laughs> maybe week, two, maybe uh, in the second round. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I look forward to that. <laughs> um, Joe, when this is all behind us, you are going to go back to dancing. You're of course going to go back to lashing. We've got our Lash Angels event that we're so excited about um, being able to, you know, organise. You're going to go back to cuddling. You're a very social butterfly. Um, what things do you think you um, are you going to keep? Are you going to keep the podcast? You're going to keep the podcast when this is all when Ooh. this is all behind you. Oh. I I don't know. I kind of envisaged it being, you know, we I would keep going every two weeks until we were through it. But maybe it is something. Maybe there will be a, I don't really know. I, I'd kind of thought about, I'd envisaged it taking us through the whole crisis. And then once we were through, that's done. But maybe it is something that will keep going. I have to give up lashing though. <laughs> I mean, as a, as, as a, as a listener, um, as your audience, I I have really enjoyed this, and I think it would be nice to definitely at least keep it going for a little while because you've got to think about how much of an impact this is going to have on us mm. when you know we're going to come out the other side. But life's never going to be the same. Um, it's no. going to change people for forever. It's going to it's changing. Everything is changing, and I think that it will be very interesting to still kind of keep up with how it has impacted people's businesses. Are they busier? Are they not as busy? Are, you know, are clients just going to get used to not having lashes? Are clients going to be desperate for their lashes back? Um, Like I said to you, I think some businesses will absolutely come out of this stronger. And I do think that some businesses will really struggle. So um, yeah, as, as your audience, I do think it would be interesting to kind of, if you're able to find a way to, Mm. um, to continue documenting, um, you know, 
Well, this this, this is a life changing event, and um, I will, I will then, Dion. I'll do it just for you, and maybe it'll be like a monthly update. You know, some people might have to walk away from lashes altogether. I mean, who knows? People are going to probably lose people in this, if I'm being really, you know, honest and realistic. That, that is what's happening, though. <laughs> yeah. That is actually what's happening, unfortunately, yeah. So who knows where we're going to be a year afterwards, but yeah, yeah, I'm up for that. Um, so I'm aware we've, I'm aware we've been, um, you know, we've, we've, we've had... Two hours of- later. Yeah. <laughs> This is uh, this is literally just been like a good old chat, hasn't it? Um, there are a few other things I just want to quickly go through. Um, I know that you know you are quite a nurturing person, and um, I'd be quite interested to 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 kind of hear what advice you you know you have for people that might that might be struggling through this. Uh, you, you know, I'm mm-hmm. talking in particular about lash artists what would you say to people that are kind of feeling like, you know, the whole world's been turned upside mm. down? Uh, well, I'm not sure how helpful this is, but I would say, listen to yourself and do what you need to do for you. If that means that you go dark on Instagram for a few days, a week or whatever, do it. If it's that that is causing you the anxiety, do it. Who cares? People are still going to be there. People probably won't even notice apart from your nearest and dearest. So don't feel pressured by those annoying people like me that are super busy and seem to be coping so well with um, lockdown and, you know, that I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and my diary's full, and blah, blah, blah. How boring, how annoying am I? If that is not you, and if that is not how you naturally deal with things, then screw it. You do you. I mean, that's such a cliche, but you have to listen to you and do what you need because only you really know what you need. Make sure that you are well-rested, that you are well-nourished, and that you are doing what makes you tick. Because if you try and keep up with something that is not sustainable, it's going to just add to the discomfort and misery. And I just think that we all have our different coping strategies. And it's really important to be kind to yourself and to not overpressurize yourself. And yes, your business obviously is struggling at the moment. None of us have got an income. But if you can just kind of think about it as hitting the pause button rather than the erase button, I think that's going to be more helpful to you. In theory, provided your clients come back when you open your books again, it's just going to be life as as normal. I really don't think that everyone's going to have this awakening and think I don't need lashes anymore I think the government are bailing people out financially I know we haven't seen it yet but I'm hopeful that we will be buoyed up financially and therefore people will be desperate to come back and have have all of those things that make themselves feel good so I wouldn't lose too much sleep over your business going under just try and think about it as a period of time with the business on pause and it's time for you to do all of those things that 
people on this podcast have talked about, but you don't have to do them all. Even if it is just clearing out your undies drawer and your cutlery drawer or whatever, do that. If that what if that's what makes you feel good, if what makes you feel good is sitting down and doing a, a puzzle, then do that. <laughs> with but, a glass of sherry. <laughs> or a glass of sherry. But if you want to come up with new projects and things, and if that stimulates you and if that makes you feel good, do that. Yeah. I, f- I think everything you have said is 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 it. You, you know, there are people that are making themselves super busy and then there are people that are using this as a time to chill and to rest and what feels right for you is, is what you've got to do. I, I love that. I love that. That's absolutely fantastic. Joe, I'm going to end the interview by asking you what three things have you done today that you, <laughs> that you can pat yourself on the back for? Um, well, I might be a little bit kind and let you, and let you talk about yesterday as well. Cause uh, it's, it's still quite early on in the day. <laughs> it is quite early on. And considering I woke up 15 minutes before we were supposed to do this zoom call. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I haven't had much time to do anything. I did make myself a cup of tea that, that is always a winner. Okay, let me think about it. So, yeah, in fact, I've achieved absolutely nothing other than than speaking to you. But can I say, I'm proud of you for that because um, when when you were missing this morning, I was like, I really think she's having a lion and I really hope she's having a lion because you are such a busy bee and um just just the fact that I think you should be proud of yourself that you you should pat yourself on the back for okay here, here it goes here it goes I'm patting yeah. love that I there love we go that. so that is number <laughs> that is number one but for the rest of it I will have to go back to yesterday and yesterday we I felt like I had a night out because I engaged in the zoom call with my buddies that I go to Ibiza with as I said earlier and we had a lovely lovely evening so that was really uplifting and good soul food so that would be another thing and the other thing that I did yesterday is which I got a real kick out of was speaking to Nikki Atkins of Essex Lash and Nikki has been having yeah she's been having a really really bad time she is a single mum at home with little ones and I uplifted her spirits and she was visibly excited and buzzing by the end of it so for me that is a real privilege to be able to do that for her so yeah that's the third thing I love that and that is pretty much everything that you are and everything that that, that you stand for and um, what so many people love um, love about you and oh. um, Joe thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to go behind the lashes of Joanna Lee it's it's been awesome it's been it's been absolutely awesome and um, yes on would love to perhaps catch up with you in a couple of weeks and see um, see how you're, you're still finding it all. Yeah, see if I can keep this thing up. Thank you, Dion. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> 19.